RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back, guys, to Live Bold and Boss Up. Thank you for joining in this week. This week, we have our D-Rod in the house to help us with sharing information and advice on how to scale a business. D-Rod, also known as Dan Rodriguez, he's our president of NextPath and our executive advisor. Thank you for coming back on the show. Oh, thanks so much. It's always great to spend time with the two of you, as much time as I already spend with you guys at work every day. Um, but yes, I'm always, uh, always honored to be on the show. So today we thought it would be good to talk about, since we do kind of have a, a large network of entrepreneurs and, and business professionals and how to scale a business. And we felt like you would be the perfect person to talk about this since you've done it. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I'm, I'm you know, again, I'm, I've been blessed in my life to have um, been involved with a company, uh, Veritas, that um, that me and uh, several other folks started together back in in 2000, and uh, we were able to grow that over a 14 year period into a, a rather large enterprise and get a, a great exit in 2014. And uh, I had a great partnership, so that was a a great first step is, is, you know, picking, picking your, uh, your right partners. And I think we've done that here at Next Path as well with Ashley and Stephanie. Thank you. Yeah. Real happy. But I guess, uh, I guess the first, the first thing that, you know, I kind of jotted down some notes is, you know, when you start your business, you really don't know what you want to be, or at least a lot of folks don't, or, or at least I didn't anyway. And, um, we, we started, you know, going, we were staffing business. We started making some placements. We had a good business after we got past 9-11. We're probably two or three years into it. And uh, we were kind of at an inflection point where you have to decide, you know, hey, do I just want to continue along the current path and everybody makes a nice living and we make, you know, good money and it's, you know, a a good little lifestyle kind of thing? Or do we really like commit to growing it. And when you're committing to growing it, really what you're saying is you're saying that you're either going to take some of your capital that you're earning now and invest it in other people and systems and software and projects and so forth so that you can, you can grow, or you're really talking about bringing on outside capital. And for us, um, what we decided at the time is that we wanted to internally fund our growth. Uh, we committed to it um, and we began to take, you know, some of the profits that have been going out to the partnership and reinvesting it into the business. And, and that take, that's a big decision that everyone has to make. So quick question, is there a difference between scaling and growing? Yeah, I think there is. I think initially when you start your business, um, when we were at, at Veritas anyway, we, we had one location and then very quickly two that were both, you know, growing and we were doing really well. And those were kind of our hubs of, um, of expertise where we made the majority of our, our revenue at. And then we quickly found out that in order to be valuable at the time to anyone, we had to have uh, multiple locations. 
Um, and that's where the kind of the scalability aspect of it comes in is can you take the great thing that you built in Tampa and the great thing that you built in Orlando and can you replicate, you know, those business models and scale them to other markets? Because uh, back in those days in the staffing world, you had to be in a market, bricks and mortar, to really be able to be successful. So I think the difference is if we would have been a lifestyle business and made the decision to continue to just to do that, we probably would have just had a Tampa and Orlando office back in the you know mid-2000s. But when we decided that we wanted to actually build something that had value that we wanted to to sell, you know, everyone out in the uh, private equity world and in the venture capital world told us that we need to have locations all over the country. And that's where the scaling part comes in is can you replicate that great thing that you have in Tampa and Orlando in other markets around the country? That's interesting. Yeah. Do, Do you think because of last year, because of COVID 2020, everything that happened, do you think investors would say something differently in today's small businesses? Yeah, I absolutely do. I think, you know, just my, our business, the staffing business we see has changed incredibly. You know, it went from uh, really, you know, you had to have bricks and mortar in as many markets as possible. If you were a, you know, an international company, it was as many countries as possible. And now, you know, really the movement in the staffing world is towards, you know, big delivery centers. You know, we know that here at NextPath, you know, Ashley, Steph, you guys have clients all over the country. They really don't care that we sit here in Tampa. We have no plans or aspirations to go open other markets and other places because we don't really need to. We have plenty of business all over the country just sitting right here in Tampa I think it was headed in that direction anyway, but like COVID definitely sped it up. So I think the markets now look at uh, things very differently in terms of, um, you know, where you're physically located in terms of, you know, your business. Yeah, that that makes sense because I feel like even before COVID, some of our best clients or like the best relationships we had with our clients were not in state and we've never met them in person. So maybe, yeah, maybe last year's definitely accelerated that. Hopefully we won't need to, or hopefully many small businesses won't need to put those brick and mortars in now. Maybe, maybe it's just okay to, to have, you know, one or two and, and still grow and scale. Yeah, no, I think so. I think if you take, um, you know, I've been fortunate to work with Stephanie for, you know, 10 years now, if you look at her old account base, um, you know, healthy systems and Nielsen and some of the other accounts, these were big, large accounts that she had to be out at like once a week, you know, walking the halls, you know, meeting managers, taking managers to lunch and things like that. And now if we look at our client base, like you said, Ash, some of our best clients, we've never met them in person. We've been on dozens of Zoom calls with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know lots of things about them. We have relationships with them, but it's not the same as um, in just, you know, 18 months ago when it was so important to be out in front of your client. And I think that that's just not just in staffing that's in, we staff sales verticals and we see the same thing going on with companies that sell, you know, SaaS products or software or technology services or cyber or whatever. Their salespeople are not getting on planes all the time like they used to. And they're all doing, you know, zoom calls and teams calls and everything else. And uh, there's not as much face-to-face time as there used to be just a very short time 
ago. Yeah, I feel like that's changing a lot. Um, so once a company decides how they want to scale or grow, then what's kind of the next step in, in scaling? Yeah, well, we had to do it at Veritas. We had to look at our partnership and see, you know, hey, who's good at once or, or who's good at what, excuse me. Um, we had um, we had four you know primary partners in the organization. Each of us had different skill sets, and you know when we were small, we kind of had a very you know collaborative leadership style, um, and sometimes that got in the way of of you know making the right right decisions. So we had to kind of figure out what everybody's lane was, and then we needed to figure out with you know where we wanted to go. What were we missing? And in terms of what we're missing, what kind of people did we need to bring in, skill sets and so forth, to make sure that we had all of the skills that we needed um, to be a successful company. So a great example of us um, at Veritas, when we started, we were there were four of us. None of us had any type of financial experience. So one of our very early on hires was we had to go out and hire somebody who, who knew something about financials. Yeah, I think that's important. Having a, a team in place or evaluating, you know, who's good at what, you know, what are people's strengths and, and build it on that. What do you think are a few main pillars that you feel like the founders or maybe those those top people need to fill in? Like, what are some of the, I guess, main areas that you need expertise in when you're starting a business or when you're maybe not starting a business, excuse me, when you're scaling? Yeah, I think, um, you know, again, there needs to be a clear leader, you know, who's who's the person that's in charge of the organization and is going to be the final, you know, say on decisions that maybe not everyone agrees on. And then I think secondarily, you know, all of your back office functions, you really need to have a, a strong person there that um, is is really, you know, in our case, needed to be part of the partnership so that we all felt comfortable that the company's finances and all the back office operations were in a, in great hands, and uh, we were you know very successful in in being in having a person that could do that for us. And then next in the recruiting business, delivery delivery is so important. Um, being able to find the right candidates and and bring them to market. So we assigned one of our partners to really be the, the, the delivery champion. And that was um, Vicki Atkins, who we're very fortunate. Shout out to Vicki, who's joined us here at Next Path now and performs really the same function that she did at Veritas, which is to orchestrate, uh, coach, train, and make sure that our delivery teams are on point. Um, so, again, those are all really important functions. You have to have uh, somebody in there that, you know, financially knows what they're doing. We got ourselves in trouble so many times early on with, you know, not not paying taxes properly in certain states and, uh, you know, not having the proper uh, insurance coverages for certain accounts. And there's just all kinds of things when you start to grow and scale and, and move into different uh, geographic areas, different states um, that you really need, you know, really strong, you know, financial and operational expertise back there to make sure that you don't get yourself in a jam. Yeah, no, for sure. I feel like, you know, we've been doing that here at Next Path, you know, trying to get the right people in place so we can scale and grow. And, um, you know, I think that's important having that core foundation in order to even start scaling. 
Um, so once you have a kick-ass team in place, what's next? Yeah. Then the next thing is, uh, like we were talking about before, is uh, being able to take the great thing that you build and take it to other markets. How do you do that? Back then, you know, that was that was really the challenge. I think I think now it's um, I don't think there's a whole lot of companies out there that are just like one trick ponies. They have, you know, different uh, verticals and, you know, uh, or products or uh, services that they provide in the marketplace. And um, I think, you know, you want to be able to deliver them all with the same, you know, consistency so that the customer knows what to expect. They know the level of service that they're going to get when they deal with NextPath or company ABC. So to be able to like standardize that and package it and get it out uh, into a different vertical or a different geographic market, you know, however you're doing it is, um, is really a trick. So it's all about, you know, standardized processes. I don't know that we ever got that 100% correct in the old company because uh, we had 14 or 15 offices and it seemed like at any given time I had, you know, six or seven that were really humming and maybe three or four that were doing okay. And maybe, you know, one or two that uh, we just couldn't, couldn't get over the hump. So, um, so that's really a, a, a tough thing. And, and I think that what we always tried to do is export the culture. So, you know, we have a culture now, we have 30 people in the company. We feel like they're all keepers. Everyone's a, you know, a good person. We, we love our culture so I think that as we start to grow um, into other areas and, and more verticalize our business here at NextPath, we'll, we want to use our internal culture to, uh, or internal people to make sure that we can maintain that, that culture that we have now. I feel like as you grow, that probably gets harder and harder to keep that standardized process and that culture and everything the same mm-hmm. because then it kind of gets diluted. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, I 100% agree. I think, um, again, going back to the example I gave, you know, we had, you know, 14 or 15 offices and and in some offices, we just, the offices were far flung and it, it was very difficult as you got larger to really, you know, to know everybody. And, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed about, you know, growing Veritas and being the CEO there was, you know, meeting, meeting people, getting to see them, you know, have families, build houses, you know, blossom in their career and in their, you know, personal lives. All that was really cool. And, and that helps, you know, build connectivity and culture when you're of a small enough size that your, you know, leaders can actually engage with, with the folks that work in the company. Mm-hmm. And, and the bigger that we got, you know, the harder that became. And uh, so that, that, you know, that tight culture, that stickiness that you create uh, kind of deteriorates a little bit as you get larger. And I think, you know, we've all seen that in, you know, in large organizations where, you know, folks uh, tell us in the staffing business that they feel like they're just a number and they don't really feel like they're really connected to the organization. Um, I personally, not to digress, but I think that's one of the blowbacks we're going to see from everyone working from home here during COVID is I think there's going to be a, a point in time that folks are going to like, well, they're going to want to come back in the office. They're going to want to feel like they're a part of something. They're going to want to find ways to be sticky and feel relevant to the organization. And uh, that may not be uh, back for a couple of years, but I think at some point 
uh, there's going to be some middle ground that occurs between, you know, having uh, folks in the office and having folks remote. Yeah, I can see that. I feel like the people we talked to already are kind of stirring, you know, getting, okay. getting a little stir crazy. Yeah. Mm. No, I think there's, there's, we see two kinds of people we see, well, not, not just two kinds, but you know, there's two very different parameters. There's folks that want to be in the office every day and they want to be around people for whatever reason. Um, maybe they just want to get out of the house. Um, and uh, then there's other folks that, that, you know, COVID is uh, winding down now and they, they don't want to go back to the office. They don't want to go in. And uh, the, you know, it's a, it's an interesting time. It'll be interesting to see what, uh, how it takes shape, how the workforce takes shape over the next couple of three years. Mm-hmm. Another thing I, I've seen you do a lot, like starting Next Path, and um, I feel like we didn't do as much of it in the old co because, I mean, we were so big, um, but building collaborations like with either companies where you can help each other out and help each other scale and grow is something that you're really good at. And you've kind of, you know, helped us, you know, get involved and do that as well. But I think that's another point is building collaborations and working with other people where you can work together and and help each other grow. Yeah. Well, thanks for that stuff. I mean, you guys, they never say nice things to me in the office on a daily basis. So whenever I get a compliment, I'm so happy, but I do believe in um, building like win-win relationships. You know, if someone's a customer, then, we need to try to help them too. And how can you help a customer? We introduce them to another customer uh, because they don't, you know, sell the same services as we do. So maybe we can make an introduction. Um, I believe in alliances going out. And I know that uh, Steph and Ash are involved in Eugenia as well. Our other partner in James and Orlando are very involved in all different things in the community, the EDC, you know, Florida funders, the wave, uh, Temp Connection, uh, various other just uh, meetup and business groups where we all try to help each other. And the thing that we all have in common is that we're all trying to be successful. And if we can, you know, help each other be successful, then that's great. So I think all, uh, you know, relationships should be win-win. And uh, so I I always try to do that. I always try to keep that in mind when I take a meeting with someone. That's it. I think that's a great point because how are you supposed to scale and grow your business if you're not putting that good like juju out there, right? If you're not helping someone else out and really, you know, you know, trying to add value everywhere you are, is it going to come back to you if you're not doing that? Yeah. Right? I mean, I just feel like that's just good all-round mm-hmm. karma, right? I think uh, I think all three of us could probably say and I've been doing this for a long time, but I've probably put more people to work and not getting paid for it, just pointing them in the right direction or knowing about an opening and doing an introduction or taking a new college graduate and pointing them to a company that hires new college graduates. I mean, we do that all the time. And that, you know, that's paying it forward and it creates win-wins because when you help people like that, they remember that three or four or five years down the road uh, in their career when they're either looking for a new opportunity or looking to hire people. So mm. that's just an example of a win-win type of relationship that I think we everyone needs to keep in mind when you're out there engaging in the, in the business community. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you have collaborations, you have standardized processes, anything else that you recommend in steps for scaling? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, you need to try to maintain focus. A lot of times, um, you know, you see other, you know, niche businesses or other, uh, you know, verticals that, uh, that, that people are, are making money in and, and the temptation is, hey, let's go over there and let's try to get some of that. And, you know, the reality is, is that vertical exists because there's already players there who know that space really well. Um, and are really good at it. And that's why in staffing is so hard to do a startup because you have people like us that have been doing it a very long time. We're very established in the market. And if you're a person that parachutes in from, you know, Philadelphia and you're trying to start, you know, a staffing business in Tampa, you're, you're competing against, you know, folks like us who've been doing this for a long time and know a lot of people in the marketplace and have brand. Um, mm-hmm. So, I think it's um, to a certain extent, you have to stay focused on really what you're good at and what your core competency is. And again, using the example of uh, back in Veritas, sometimes, you know, we would take people and we would drop them into marketplaces and we would we would run into folks. I'm remembering Minnesota, you know, Minneapolis um, ne- never could get over the hump in Minneapolis. And it was just because uh, it's a very uh, it was a market where. Um, you know, there were very well-known players there, very established um, players. And uh, we could just never get the right combination of, of folks in there to give us uh, the level of success that we had in a lot of our other markets. Yeah, no, that's a, I think that's a good point. I think a lot of companies try to maybe do too much instead of just sticking what they're good at, that one thing. Mm-hmm. And then that's whenever you you know, you kind of dilute what your specialties are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then just the last one I think um, is um, in terms of building and scaling a company is, you know, you just, you always have to know what your strengths are and you need to be able to articulate that, you know, to a, to a client. Um, no matter what business you're in, there's some competition out there and you have to be able to articulate how you're different. And um, I think, you know, the message that, that we try to, you know, articulate to our clients here is that we play in the small to mid-market space. If we're working with a candidate, we can generally tell that candidate that we know a C-level representative in that organization um, very well. And uh, so we're in a really good position to represent you. And I think that we can go to our clients, we can go to those C-level clients and we can tell them that, hey, we're, we're focused on the small to mid-market. This is where we play. So we're not spending all of our time trying to service the large MSP, VMS uh, organizations out there that scorecard their staffing vendors and things like that. We are, you know, the company for the small to mid-market, for the growth companies. And uh, I think we, we do a really good job of articulating that to our candidates and our clients. And I think that's why, you know, we've, uh, we've had a, a really good, uh, successful, uh, almost three years now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like you should always think back to, you know, why did you start the company in the first place? Like, what are you good at? What's your passion? And, you know, always come back to that point. 
you know, what's your strengths, passion, and why are you really, why did you start in the first place? Exactly. That That's what comes out of me every time I share um, when someone asks me like, Hey, what, you know, what makes next, next path different or what are you doing differently or why are you doing what you do? Um, that's kind of just what comes from the heart, right? No, I think, you know, we cover a lot of ground here and, and I think the, you know, the, the one thing that overlies, you know, all of this and building a, a great company is you, you cannot build a great company unless you have a great culture and culture is people. And um, I, uh, I truly believe that um, all great companies have great people that, that made those companies. Uh, there, there, are, there are great leaders, but those leaders won't, wouldn't be great without having great people that, you know, that elected to join them and, and spend their you know, time and effort in, in helping build that company. And, and we, we as leaders and as entrepreneurs, you know, owe it to them to, you know, again, have a, have a place in the company, feel valued and, uh, you know, have their niche. And uh, I think we've done uh, a very, very good job of that at Next Path. I know we did a really good job of it at Veritas. And uh, I think that is really the, the, the key thing that overlies everything when it comes to, you know, growth and scaling is just having a great culture. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for all of this wisdom, right? Because I feel like, you know, even, even I sometimes wonder like, Hey, what I want, I still want to pick your brain all the time. And there's weeks where I'm like, let's get back on track and let me pick Dan's brain again. And um, so hopefully everyone really appreciates the, you know, just all of the pointers that you gave. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And I would also say, enjoy the journey of scaling, Mm -hmm. try not to do it too quickly. I feel like that could hurt you too. Right. Like really soak in, soak it all in, build that culture, you know, enjoy it. Enjoy the, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. Right. Don't be in a rush to be the biggest. Thank you sponsors and thank you Next Path Career Partners. We really appreciate you guys. All you listeners out there, we want to know what you want to hear. So please email us live bold and boss up at gmail.com to tell us what you want to hear. We'll get the experts in here and tell it to you. Or if you have any questions, previous podcasts, maybe something wasn't clear and you want us to clarify it, let us know. We're here for you. We got you. And until next time, live bold and boss up. This is a Rock Stops Here with Rock Riley Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Well, I must say, this one is going to be a little bit different. Good guy. Good guy. Unbelievable story and stories. And if you get a little squeamish, there's plenty of lead up to one particular story where he lost his leg. The former one-legged pro wrestler turned his life around actually after this motorcycle accident. And now he provides legs prosthesis for mostly kids that have lost their legs. And he's doing, it's just, he's unreal, big, strong, good dude. The first time I saw him or two, I didn't even realize he only had one leg. 
the way he came off the ropes, the way he was in the ring, you would never know. He he only had one leg. So it's an unbelievable story. He made it to the WWE for a couple of days. There was a mistake. WWE had signed the wrong one-legged wrestler. In the end, they probably they should have signed Steve. Oh, my God. So he tells that story. He also tells the story when he was riding on his bike, on his motorcycle, and how the horrific accident that he lost his leg, he thinks it's a blessing. And what he has now done with his life, because he was getting in trouble at that time. Here he is, Chambo, Steve Chamberlain. The Rock stops here with longtime radio and TV personality Rock Riley is found anywhere you find podcasts and radioinfluence.com.